1: Jack Riccardi, Afternoons 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA,
2: and FM
3: 1071.
2: KTSA News Time 404, good afternoon, happy new year, new year, new month, new week, same old guy on the radio. Uh, so anyway, um, we're, but we're kind of get, we're all kind of getting back to normal, right? We're all, the, the, radio station's starting to get back to normal and the schedule is starting to get back to normal and maybe you're back at it at work and the kids are back at school. And, um, we, you and I have been apart for two weeks. And just so you know, I took two weeks off. I took two weeks of PTO, which was my plan a lot, but I save them up during the year, and uh, wound up getting COVID right off the bat. I mean, like, <laughs> the last show on that Friday, bam, I'm sick. So let me tell you what happened, because it's, it's you know, everybody's got their story, right? Um, I, I started getting these symptoms, uh, I signed off Friday night, which I think was the 17th, of December. Did not feel great, but you know, sometimes you just have off days, and I, I thought I was having allergies. Uh The next morning, I really felt lousy, and, and the Mountain Cedar was high, so being a guy, I decided to diagnose myself. You know how guys are. We walk it off. We don't like to ask for directions, and we don't like to ask for medical uh attention, so I decided it was Mountain Cedar, and that's what I told myself, but you know, I think I knew that it wasn't because I canceled all my plans with anybody and everybody. I didn't go near anybody. I didn't go anywhere. Uh, and I told myself, oh, you're just staying home to get over the cedar. Uh, it got worse over the weekend, fever, chills, you know, like a bad case of the flu is what I had. Uh, and so I went and got the test on uh, Monday, and, uh, yeah, you're positive. Then I had a telehealth appointment on Tuesday, and the – Guy said, we'll take uh, vitamins and elderberry and zinc, uh, some of which I was already doing. And, um, I asked him about the monoclonal treatment. He said, yes. Are you willing to do it? I said, I sure am. They, he referred me. Wednesday, I went to the clinic they had set up at Bear County uh, Freeman Coliseum. I forget what they call it. It's the Bear County something, something, something clinic. And it's where they're doing the monoclonal antibodies. At least it's where they were doing it. Now, I have heard anecdotally that they may be running low or running out, but um, this was my experience, you know, that at that point. So now we're on to like December. This would be like December 20th, I think, or 21st. Um, I went over there. By the way, that place was amazing. My hat is off to everybody who worked there, the the nurses, the EMTs, the volunteers. Everybody was great, friendly. It was very efficient. Everybody there, you know, everybody going there has COVID, so they're all kind of bloopy. But these people were fantastic, and really, it was a nice, quick, in-and-out kind of thing. You're there for about two hours. Um, I don't know if the monoclonal antibodies made the difference, but by, so that was Wednesday, like, around one o'clock. By Friday evening, which was uh, Christmas Eve, felt great, felt fine, you know, and really just had a runny nose and like you'd have a cold. So my experience was a couple of days with fevers and chills, a few days with like a heavy cold, uh, loss of taste and smell for about five or six days. Some people would say I still have no taste. But uh, that was it. The only part I'm going to complain about And I don't want any sympathy or pity, but I will say I pitied myself a little bit because Christmas Day was in the middle of the quarantine, and it meant I couldn't see my daughter. And you know what? That was that was the only thing that got to me, and still gets to me. I did wind up seeing her the following Monday, but uh, you don't want to you know you don't want to not see your kid, and open presents right on Christmas Day. So. Um, I now know what Dave Chappelle meant on his Netflix special, The Closer, when he said that when they told him he had COVID, he was surprised to find out that he felt dirty. <laughs> he tells the whole story. It's very funny if you've seen his special. He tells the whole story about getting COVID and quarantining and not having any symptoms. But he said, I felt dirty. I didn't expect to feel that way. And that was exactly how I felt because I'm a germaphobe. And... um If you don't know this about me, I'm fanatical about like hand washing and Purell and opening restroom doors with my elbow and wiping down surfaces. I was that way before COVID. I didn't get that way. I was that way before COVID. You wouldn't want to be around me. It's crazy. So when a person like me goes and does all that stuff and then you get COVID, you feel like you, you know, you feel like you lost the big game, you know? I felt like a failure. And uh I felt stupid. But I'll tell you what was really stupid was a lot of people when they get COVID, they don't know how they got it. Right? I mean they're not exactly sure where it where they caught it, where they picked it up. And then a lot of people do know because the most common way to get COVID, I don't know if you know this or not, is uh, you know, transmission from somebody you live with. So people bring it home and infect their, their family members. I got it. From somebody I know and have known for a long time who had the symptoms, but didn't get checked out and worked with the symptoms. And I know this because he told me. And he told me because while I was locked up at home with COVID, I texted him with a question. And I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I have this question. And he said, Oh, it's no problem. I'm home with COVID. And I said, "Wow, so am I. What what's your story?" And when he told me, you know, the timeline, I didn't say this to him and I'm not going to name him or even hint at who he is. He's nobody associated with this show and he's nobody you know, but and I don't want to embarrass him. I I would like to embarrass him a little, but I don't want to embarrass him. But <laughs> when he told me, I realized that uh, I had been around him at a point when he had it. And was in denial about having it and hadn't been tested. By the time he got tested, I already had it, and, and we both had it. So, um, It's pretty anticlimactic when you finally get it, because um, you hear so much about it. It's the, it's the all-time biggest hype ever, right? And then you get it, and um, you just get it. Um, it is harder to, for me, it was harder to miss, Christmas with my daughter than any other part of it. The other parts of it were just, you know, manageable. You, you know what to do when you get a fever and chills and, you know, you drink a lot of fluids and you take Tylenol and ibuprofen. And um again, I don't know if the monoclonal antibody treatment helped or not. A lot of people really swear by it. Uh, I sure was better pretty quickly after that. So that's my take on it. I'm not giving any medical advice. I, um, did a lot of thinking about all this because I had a lot of time (laughs) to think. And um, have you noticed in the last two weeks what a whiplash 180 the media and um, our Democratic overlords uh, are uh, pulling on COVID-19? You know, the old narrative, and this wasn't that long ago. I mean, they were still saying this late last year, the old narrative was that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's those ignoramuses who voted for Trump. It's those red state freaks and maniacs. And COVID is vengeance on electing Trump president and all of this. And I'm watching in amazement as MSNBC and CNN and Anthony Fauci, and Dr. Walensky, and all of these people, almost every hour there was a new reversal. Oh, the cloth masks may not help. Oh, vaccinated people can get it and spread it. Oh, the death rate is really like the flu. Chris Hayes had a show on that one night on MSNBC. You know, the death rate for this is kind of like the flu, like seasonal flu. Um... Dr. Fauci said we're overcounting COVID cases in the hospitals. But it turns out that a lot of those people were in the hospital for something else and then they tested positive for COVID. The only reason we know they're they have COVID is because we did the test, but they're not there for COVID. And you and I have been saying these things and stuff like this for the better part of two years. So it's not news to us, but it's news to us that these people who previously thought you were the worst human being on earth if you said these things or talked this way. Now they're saying it. And I could I could list many more reversals, many more 180s. With no explanation, they're not coming out and saying, hey, mea culpa, we got this wrong, or let us please correct and clarify what we said previously. They're just pretending that the stuff they used to say about COVID, they, they never said. Bill de Blasio, on one of his last days in office as mayor of New York, the new guy took over on New Year's Day, uh, he was asked about the the ball drop for New Year's Eve. Uh, Are you going to have it? And he said, yeah, we're going to go forward with it, because he said, and I'm not making this up, he said, because I don't believe in lockdowns. He said it on, on live television. And then there was a study this morning on CNN's website. I don't know if it's still there now. They cited a new study that says COVID will be more serious for you if you're overweight. Really? We were talking about that in April of 2020. And by the way, since it's a good idea to lose weight, excess weight, and stay healthy and exercise if you want to fight off or not get COVID, what about all the politicians that closed health clubs and gyms and arrested people for jogging on the beach but no no explanation or apology. Just They're just pretending they never said the stuff they said. The term for this, and you've heard it before, is gaslighting. We're being gaslit, I guess would be the past tense of that. So I want to talk about that. I'm sure you've noticed it. It's a fixture of the last week or 10 days or so, and since we haven't been together, this is our first chance to, to talk about that. And the phone lines are going to be open, 210-599-5555. Now, I have some ideas about where I think this is all going and why this is happening. And when I was filling in for Sean Reimer this morning, we were talking about this, and I said this morning there's a few possibilities as to why this is happening, why they're pulling these one eighties. And I'm now starting to come to a I think I'm 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 sharpening it to not a few possibilities, but the most likely explanation. So I'm gonna tell you what that is the the uh the new word uh, for January 2022, I just heard this this morning uh, the new word is flu-rona have you heard this? flu-rona, this comes from Israel where they're now seeing people who they say I don't know if this is true or not have the corona and the flu terrific wow, it's like a double play the flu-rona let's hope that doesn't catch on hope we don't have a lot of use for that word So we're seeing an incredible, um, it's almost as if with the new year, the sort of, uh, I guess you could call it the political media complex have decided to start saying things and announcing things like it's breaking news that you and I have either known or suspected for the better part of the last two years, about masks and vaccines and kids going to school. The guy that runs the New York City School District uh, said over the weekend that uh, schools should reopen because, and this, these were his words, uh, kids have suffered enough, which is an interesting way to put it. It sounds like his job is to determine how much suffering the kids can take what kind of a standard is that? Yeah, kids have suffered enough. So all of a sudden, things that were anti-science are the new science. Oh, yeah, kids should be in school. Oh, yeah, you only need five days of quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. Why is this happening? Why are they doing this? Why are people who politicized and, uh you know, uh, basically, if you will, um tyrannized the country over COVID, and in the process got rid of Trump, have tried to get rid of DeSantis, have um, treated everyone in the red states like idiots and, and, and morons. And this has even happened within families. We talked about this around Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Where blue state relatives look down their nose at their red state relatives. Oh, you idiots. You're getting us all killed. So why, why is the, the, the gaslighting and the retrenching happening now? Well, this morning when I was filling in for Sean, a guy called in and he said that he had uh, heard the Joe Rogan podcast with a guest named Dr. Robert Malone. I don't know if you ever listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't get to hear all of them. I get to hear maybe a fraction of them. But he had Dr. Uh, Malone on. Dr. Malone is the... Researcher who basically developed mRNA uh, technology. He didn't. He didn't develop these vaccines, but these vaccines use the technology that that he developed. So mRNA is something that we're going to have a lot of in the future, and uh, and he developed it. But in the interview, he says. And by the way, he's been um, he's been banned from Twitter, and YouTube has banned the interview. So you'll have to be creative in finding it. But. Um, he basically says um, the government has acted outside the law, outside its lawful powers, in their response to COVID. And he makes an interesting point. He's a virologist by trade. And he says, you know, or I'm sorry, a vaccinologist by trade. He says it is explicitly illegal and immoral to mandate vaccines that are still experimental. Now, he's not saying don't get them or anything negative about them, but he's saying, look, they're experimental. People should have informed consent. Get them if they want, not get them if they want. You don't mandate an experimental treatment. And he also talked about something called mass formation psychosis, which we'll get to in a minute. So he did this interview, and and we had a couple of callers reference it this morning, which I thought was interesting. I wasn't going to bring it up, but it sounds like a lot of people have heard it. And that's really what's happening right now. And I don't just mean Joe Rogan, but things like Joe Rogan's podcast and this interview with Dr. Malone, which happened not on a news network, not in the Wall Street Journal, but on a podcast by a guy that used to be a comedian and a reality show host. He has a lot of listeners and a lot of people have heard and will hear this interview. Joe Rogan is what we call in the business a content creator. And Joe Rogan is the future. CNN is the past. The New York Times is the past. The media elites, the thing we talk about so much on this show, is a dying entity. I don't want you to not take them seriously, but I want you to know their, their days are numbered. There's a story already out. I don't know if it's true or not. I saw it on Mediaite. It may be in other places. That any day now, CNN is going to blow up its lineup and uh, change its entire format, get rid of most of its opinion hosts. And I don't know if this is true, but my, my point is, they're 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 freaking out in traditional media worlds. And what's happened is, people listen to Joe Rogan. They don't listen to him as Democrats or Republicans. They listen because they're interested in COVID. And if you think about COVID, COVID is the opposite of every other issue that we talk about these days. Every other issue that we talk about these days divides red and blue and white and black and gay and straight. But everybody's interested in COVID. Everyone on the planet wants to be healthy. Everyone on the planet doesn't want to get this or wants to survive it. It doesn't matter what your politics are. You you want to be healthy. You want your family to be safe. They can't they can't divide us on this. They've tried, but they can't. And people like Joe Rogan and other content creators who don't have to go to a traditional media platform are an existential threat to those media platforms. And it isn't just him. He's had so much success that there's now hundreds of people imitating and emulating him. I remember when I first got into radio, there was a guy doing something that in and of itself was very powerful, but the real influence was that he had so many imitators, he inspired so many other people to do what he was doing, and it transformed the culture. And his name was Rush Limbaugh. Rogan is the new Rush Limbaugh, except he's not going to do it where and how Rush Limbaugh did it. And that's why I think they're changing their tune. That's why I think they've suddenly announced that, oh, we have all these new realizations and revelations about COVID. They're losing the battle. The battle is what we've talked about over these last two years. The battle to divide people and, and control people. The belief that they can infinitely control information. They can keep changing the story. They can, they can keep lying and then telling new lies to cover up the old ones and then trying to deplatform people who point out that they're lying. I and mean, they're still going to do that. This is going to take a while. This is going to play out over time. We're talking about, you know, chess, not checkers. But that's what's happening. And it's not that they're admitting they were wrong or having a moment of humility or self awareness, God forbid. It's that they are pivoting. And that's why they're pivoting. Um, and they won't ever explain or. Come clean about it. This is the most you'll ever hear about it right now. But that's what I think is happening. Uh, Jack here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Welcome to our Monday late afternoon show. You can jump in at 210-599-5555. Yeah, you can't miss it. As little or as much news as you may be checking out these days. You can't miss the fact that everyone from Tony Fauci on down... I say uh, from him on down because he's like, you know, on top of the pyramid these days, right? But, I mean, they're, they're all reversing and dramatically reissuing new guidance on coronavirus. Now, maybe you stopped listening a while back. Maybe you're like, oh, man, these people are guessing or they're pulling it out of their butt or they don't know what they're talking. But, I mean, I- I'm here to tell you they are saying things in official places now that if you had said it or I had said it last year, would have gotten us thrown off Twitter. They're not correcting themselves. That would be admirable. They're not apologizing. That would be magnanimous. They're just pretending they didn't say the other stuff. (laughs) And this is now what they've always been saying. Oh, we've, we've always thought this. I'm not sure, but I think they're freaking out. And not just about the midterm election, which is what most people who follow politics, they think everything is about politics. I don't. I think this is even bigger than that. I think this is about the culture. These are not people who follow truth. These are people who follow fame and popularity. You know people like this. You've always known them. They don't care about truth. They just want to be loved and rich and what they're selling isn't selling anymore people are waking up people are seeing through it people have and 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 by the way covid did this they got away with the they never had to do this kind of a pivot on trump on the russian dossier on the hunter biden laptop they didn't have to do it with any of those other things they got away with lying And changing history. I think it's safe to say, right? But COVID is one of those things that they can't get away with it on because everybody wants to know the the facts. People don't want just their their party's version of the truth. They want the truth. They don't want their family to get sick. They want to know if their kids should get a shot or a booster or not. I don't care what your politics are. And so... There are many a media empire and media figurehead who is having a near-death experience right now because of people like Joe Rogan and the interview he did with Dr. Malone. And that, I think, is why there's too much of this for it to be coincidental. All of a sudden, there is so much pivoting. On masks, on vaccines, on counting COVID cases. Fauci says on MSNBC we really should count deaths, not new cases. (laughs) Hello, right? What do you think? 210-599-5555. Now, I've been hearing a lot about the January 6th anniversary. I don't have any big plans. (laughs) But you know January 6th is going to figure prominently in, these, uh, in the media and political world. The one-year anniversary of the wingnuts that went into the Capitol. And it's going to figure prominently because it's so useful to them. I think you knew from the beginning that, that this wouldn't be a one-off. I think you knew from the beginning that this would be a card they would play over and over again. Mentioning January 6th is the new version of back in the olden days when they would call you a racist and that was supposed to shut down the conversation. Now, if they if they throw January 6th at you, you're supposed to shut up and be contrite. It's your fault. So there's a commission investigating January 6th. They, they've all interviewed, all the networks have interviewed um, the, the chairman and the Republican member, uh, Liz Cheney. It's very serious. Liz Cheney wants to pass a law that says Donald Trump can never be president again. I'm not making it up. Where is the January 6th commission on the COVID lies? Where is the January 6th reckoning and we must get to the truth and we must come together and put party aside? Where is that? You know, um, I was talking to a Family member who is living in a blue state is very is very blue state. I was talking about COVID, and um, he thought I should be angry at people who were unvaccinated. That was his take on getting COVID. When you get COVID, your your anger should be directed at your fellow Americans who don't have the vaccine. I didn't get the I didn't get COVID from a fellow American who didn't get the vaccine. But even if I had, that isn't really how I got COVID. I got COVID because the Chinese Communist Party unleashed it on the world. If I'm going to be mad at somebody, I'm going to be mad at them. Our country used to take up for itself and be mad at people that unleashed grief and misery on the world. It was what we were known for. We shouldn't be mad at each other. COVID is not... The guy across the street's fault. Whatever your differences are with him. It's not your relative who's a Packers fan or lives in a different state or voted for the other presidential candidate. That's not That's not who's to blame here. It's not Biden's fault. It's not Trump's fault. But where's the January 6th commission on COVID? The public health response to COVID has been dreadful. From the beginning, they lied, they admitted they lied, they made mistakes, they screwed up testing from the start. We were behind banana republic countries. Remember in the early going in February of 2020? We were behind third-rate countries on testing because the the CDC fouled up the testing. And then there's been all kinds of political manipulation and misdirection. A few mistakes are forgivable. It's a big issue. It's a big challenge. You know, uh, our country has made mistakes when it's done big things. We made mistakes fighting World War II. But then we got our head screwed on straight and we took the bull by the horns. Beijing lies about everything. Beijing has the motive. If you like to watch crime shows, right? They always say, "Well, well we got to determine the motive." Well, there's no point in even investigating the other stuff unless we can att- attest, attach a motive. The motive is very clear. Where's the commission for that? I'm waiting, right? I'll wait by the phone to hear about that. We got to talk about this, though. And I, I try not to talk about sports too much, because a lot of every time I bring up anything about sports, I hear from people, hey, what do you think you're on, a sports station? We don't want to hear this from you. But I, I do tell you, I do warn you, this show is not only about the news, it's about what's going on in our lives, and sports goes on in my life, so you, you got to hear some of it. Have you heard about what happened at the Jets-Buccaneers game yesterday? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the New York Jets. Tampa Bay is one of the best teams, Tom Brady's team. The Jets are awful. But the Jets are beating the Bucs yesterday. And there's something going on on the sidelines with Tampa Bay, and no one is quite sure exactly what's going on during the game, and even now there's some dispute about what happened. But the Buccaneers have a a receiver named Antonio Brown who has a troubled history in the NFL. He's an incredibly talented guy from the neck down. But he is not all, he's not okay. There's something up with him. He's been in all kinds of trouble. He's had freak accidents. I won't go into the whole history. If you know it, you know what I'm talking about. He's tried to catch on with a bunch of different teams. Um, Tom Brady wanted him on the Bucks, so the Bucks went out and got him. He, he actually is having a pretty good year. Kind of one of their You know, not not an A-list guy, but but a contributor for sure. And apparently he either wouldn't go into the game when they wanted him to go in or um, wanted to go in and they wouldn't put him in. It depends who you ask about this. But in any event, he runs out onto the field and starts taking his clothes off. Now, remember that song, uh, Take This Job and Shove It? Was that Johnny Paycheck, I think, back in the day? Remember that song? Take this job and shove it. Apparently that's what Antonio Brown was doing. And he took off his uniform jersey and his pads and his undershirt. Now, you should not do... Do not quit your job this way unless you work out like Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is ripped. He's shredded. Okay? you. I mean... If you look like Antonio Brown, you can quit your job by taking your shirt off and throwing it in the air. If not, you should probably just pack a box and go to your car. But he's taking everything off and he starts to untie his pants. And honest to God, I thought he's, he's going to take his pants off. He didn't do that, but he's on the field. He runs out on a, onto the football field. This isn't the sidelines. So I'm sure guys have quit football. During games before. I'm sure that's happened somewhere. I've never seen a guy run out onto the field and do it. And, um, it it has made him the talk of the sports world today. The Buccaneers came back. Brady had one of his, we're so used to them, we don't even think anything of them anymore. He had one of his incredible comebacks. He threw for 9,000 yards in the last few minutes of the game and won the game. But, No one's talking about that. No one's talking about the fact that the New York Giants yesterday had the worst, statistically, the worst offensive day in modern football history. No one's talking about that. There were all kinds of incredible team and individual performances yesterday. There were tons of playoff uh, implication wins. No one's talking about that Uh, tonight. Ben Roethlisberger, one of the one of the great quarterbacks of of our time, is probably playing his last. Uh, game in Pittsburgh no one's talking about I mean the Antonio Brown thing has just completely taken over I have no idea why he did it and I'm not going to take wild guesses or try to play an armchair psychologist on the radio I think that's stupid I, I guess I just lament the fact that we live in a time when acting out like this gets you all the attention in other words, I just want to have a magic wand where we put this in its proper place, and 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 I'll say it because, you know, it, it's obligatory. It seems like he needs help, and I and 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 let's hope he gets it. Whether he's spoiled or he's got a mental illness or something, he needs help. This was a cry for help, obviously, and a cry for attention. But but if he gets attention, I don't think that will be better, right? I think people like this, when they act like this, if it pays off, then you get more of this. It's not gonna pay off for him financially because I was reading where he was so close to unlocking bonuses in his contract, he had like a one-year deal with Tampa. And I don't remember the exact numbers now, I read them this morning, but it was something like a million dollars and he was just a few catches and a few yards and like one touchdown away. So if he just like holds it together, and there's one only, I think there's only one regular season game left. Although they're going to go to the playoffs, but so he just has to hold it together. And he probably gets in one in the last regular season game. He he'd probably make all those numbers. All he has to do is play one more game. Do you think you could do your job like one more week? One more day? If there was a million dollars? And I know, I know these guys have a ton of money and they can they're in a position where they can walk away from a million, but um It's got to be embarrassing for Tom Brady too because first of all, Brady Brady goes into Tampa Bay, right? They're 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 a laughingstock team. In one year, <laughs> he takes them to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. But Brady run, I know this from being a Patriots fan. Brady runs <clears throat> uh, a team that's, that's a tight ship. He, he's a hardworking guy and he wants everyone on the team to have his work ethic. And pretty much when, when you play with Brady, you become like him. And guys that have played with him of all stripes and kinds and races will tell you it was an incredible experience. It made them better. And he's had people before. He's had troubled, Guys, he had you know, he had Randy Moss. And Randy Moss came out of that experience like, I I believe in this guy. This guy made me a better player. But even Tom Brady, we finally found the one thing Tom Brady cannot do, right? He can do commercials. He's married to a model. He's great looking. He's 104 years old. The one thing he could not do is keep Antonio Brown between the lines. And it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? 210-599-5555. So we'll see what the next move is. Now, we live in a, in a world where um, fame is its own um, product. It used to be that you were famous for having done something, right? This person's famous because he's a war hero. This person's famous because she wrote a, a, a book or acted in a movie or had a talent or painted a painting. Today, people are famous just for being famous. So Antonio Brown's not all washed up. He could he could go into WWE. He could have a podcast. Who knows what he'll do? And that's what worries me. If if he really needs help, this is actually not going to get him help. This is just going to get him more attention. It's going to put more fuel on the fire. Whatever Whatever the fire is, there's going to be more of it. This is pretty cringy. I'm going to warn you right now. I hope you're not... I hope you don't have a sensitive stomach. If you missed it over the uh, holidays, you probably have heard that AOC went down to, I guess, Miami, right? And was partying it up and not wearing a mask. I'm not even going to talk about that. Who cares at this point? But... Uh, according to multiple media sources, she was uh, in bars and in clubs and drinking, and she went to a drag show and no mask. Um, but then she tweeted out because so obviously she was getting criticism, and like Antonio Brown, I'm telling you, this is somebody who gets off on the attention. Okay. People like Antonio Brown and AOC. It doesn't matter what they're getting the attention for. They just they get off on it. it. It's all the same to them, right? Fame, infamy, same thing. So she then tweets out, it's getting old, which it's not. We know it's not. It's getting old, she says, ignoring the obvious, strange, and deranged sexual frustrations of the Republican fixation on me. So let me translate that from AOC's. She thinks that Republicans criticize her because they want her, because they wish they could date her. That's what she thinks. That's what she says she thinks. So people who criticize her and argue against her assertions really want to sleep with her. Now imagine, <clears throat> imagine for a minute if I took that approach on this show. You've, you've heard people call this show and rip me a new one. You've heard people call this show and go, Jack, I usually agree with you, but what if every time somebody did that, and you don't even know the emails I get, what if every time somebody did that, I thought, oh, this this person actually really wants to have sex with me? And by the way, most of them are guys. I don't even know where you go with that. I, I think it confirms in a way that um, the... The attention she gets, and by the way, just intentionally generates it. When she says she's tired of it, that's ridiculous. I mean, she could, she could be forgotten in five minutes if she wanted to be. She could put her head down and do her work and be another member of Congress and represent her district. No one is seeking her out. She runs and chases after the cameras and the microphones, right? But it, it's pretty clear that this is like a drug. And she's high on it. She's high on something. Now, whenever we talk about her, somebody will say to me, oh, "Could we not talk about her?" And and I and I get that. I understand why you feel that way. And I, and I'm telling you right now, we on this show we don't talk about her nearly as much as a lot of talk show hosts do. I know guys in this business that have pretty much made a living off of her. We don't do it. I'll tell you why I can't drop her completely. She is very influential with young people. And I know you don't want to hear this, but it's true. She is, uh, it's its actually kind of frightening. She is an opinion leader. She is what they now call an influencer on a lot of political and cultural issues with a lot of young people. And that's not something you can just blow off. I mean, I I don't care about her per se but I do care about clawing back and fighting for and pulling back from the edge of the cliff the lemmings who will fall for her who will fall for her version of economics which would get you an F in economics 101 In other words, I I don't want to I don't want to write off all the people she's dragging along with her like the Pied Piper so that's that's why you can't really swear her off completely but yeah, i'm i'm with you i mean i'm tired of it i'm over it maybe someday she'll uh quit congress by ripping her shirt off and running out of the capital but i somehow doubt it uh charles is on 550 and 1071 ktsa charles good afternoon happy new year
1: hey mr jack how are you doing sir
2: i am good thank and you charles
1: i am glad you got over the COVID thing and uh oh, me I too appreciate you i appreciate you doing the sean show I mean, I follow him on Facebook. We all pray for him. All yes, right. We do. He's going through a lot right now. So, absolutely. So, hey, but okay, let's start with the AOC thing. All right. She can go to Florida all she wants. I don't give a damn. But don't you dare pick on Mr. Ron why he takes, why he, one thing, governing the state of Florida, and two, taking his wife through cancer treatment. Now, how dare she? All right.
2: Well, no, man. you're getting a little ahead. Of, you're getting a little ahead of the story. Let me just fill people in. I'll let you go, but I mean, I mean, I'll let you continue. Okay. But can I just jump in and clarify what you said? So yeah, what? What, great cha- great. what Charles is referring to, and I, I hadn't I hadn't brought this up yet, but there's a controversy, or there was a controversy over the holidays, where some media people were saying Ron DeSantis is not being seen in public. He must have COVID and doesn't want to tell people, or some crazy stuff like that. Um, and Ron DeSantis' wife has cancer. And the reason he was taking some time yeah. off, and it was announced by his office, it wasn't a secret. It wasn't hard to know this. Is that I he know. was taking care of his of his wife. Okay, so Charles, continue with what you were saying.
1: Okay, I'm just saying, just just we need to get that out there, because this person, AOC, is evil. Okay, second, Antonio Brown. Yeah, he's he's an eccentric. Let him go. He's done. He did it to himself. Okay, whatever it is. I mean, and be honest with you, and I kind of feel. Like he does, like, I, I played hooky from work today. All right, I did. And I feel like. Did I you keep your shirt on? Off. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. Actually, I put a new one on because it's See, older and said, the way,
2: the way I look, Charles, I would not take my shirt off. <laughs> all right. He, well, if, if I looked like I, him, I'd find right? every excuse I could to take my shirt off, but I, hey, I can't you, do it.
1: Hey, hey, you got in shape during COVID. I saw the picture, so hey, you're doing good, brother. So. <laughs>
2: But, yeah, I don't know what's, you know, I don't think, we haven't heard the last from him. We really haven't, because the way things work nowadays, this is going to increase his stock. He may not play in the NFL again, but believe me, more people know who he is today than knew a week ago.
1: I know exactly, because you know what? Yesterday, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know until this morning,
2: when I woke up. See? Well, there you go. So, for all the things you want to say to criticize him, in the world of making yourself famous... He just he just played he no. he just he he played the right card. Yeah, he did it, and he got
1: fired. But guess what? He's still a millionaire, Jack. He's got
2: right. nothing to worry about. Right. I right. so think well, he may have I some things have to worry be, about. But yeah, he's a millionaire.
1: Might be, it, but you know what, though, these first world problems are just so terrible, aren't <laughs>
2: they? That is true. That is that is a first world problem right there. Thank you, Charles. Good job. Just talking about the football guy. And, um, you know what really hit hard for me? And we were not, I was uh, away from the show, and so you and I couldn't talk about this. You know what really hit hard for me was learning of the death of, um, of John Madden. Did, um, did that happen on, was that Christmas Day, I think? Or maybe like the day after? It was right around Christmas, wasn't it? And, um, it's not that John Madden died young or, Uh, anything like that. He he had lived to a very advanced age. I think he was 85. Um, But, and and I know this is a cliche, so forgive me, you hear it a lot, but I'm going to tell you I really mean it. He felt like family to me. I never met him. I can't claim any connection to him. But I saw firsthand what made him special. And if you don't know, John Madden was a a football player and coach, coached the Oakland Raiders uh, in their heyday when they were the Oakland Raiders. He um, became a color commentator for CBS and Fox and were, for many years was the best and most prominent in that business. In other words, he worked all the biggest games. He worked with Pat Summerall, who was also a Hall of Fame broadcaster. They had probably the best team or chemistry in the history of Football announcing, I think. Of course, John Madden is immortalized in the Madden game now that kids are going to play forever. Um, but when I was a kid, my dad would watch football, and my mom was a football widow. You know, she didn't she didn't like it. She didn't know anything about it. She let him watch it because that was what you did. And then John Madden got on television and remember he would draw those squiggly lines and explain the plays and he would break things down and, and even though he was a football guy through and through, you, you I mean he you know he was he was made of pigskin. The guy was just all football. But he had this knack he could talk about it to anybody. He could explain the rules or why the quarterback did this or did that or didn't do it and And people who had never played football, people who didn't know the rules my my mom didn't know what what a first down was uh, you know or anything like that. What did the lines on the field mean? She didn't know what did it mean when you kicked the ball through those things? What does that mean? He explained all that, and she became so interested that when he was doing a game, she'd plop herself down on the sofa with my dad. And not only did that bring her a lot of enjoyment, but that also meant that as the years went by and as my dad got old and we lost him about 16 years ago, he was going to be 17 this year, they got to spend that time together. If John Madden hadn't been who John Madden was and if he hadn't had that effect, that talent on television, um they wouldn't have had that time together. And that's just one example. my, My family is just one, I'm sure, of countless living rooms where somebody who didn't watch football became interested or somebody who watched it but didn't know what the hell was going on had a better idea, had some understanding of what was going on, and she would tell me. She would watch a game and she would tell call me after the game, and she'd be excited about things that had happened. And it was, it was funny to hear her talk that way because she certainly was no expert, but she now had opinions about, you know, should the guy have run or passed, or, you know. And, and that was John Madden. That's an incredible gift when you think about it. I mean, he'd be in the Hall of Fame just for his coaching career. And he was a very good color commentator. And he had a great rapport with Pat Summerall. They worked together for years and years and years. And he had all these funny quirks. He had the the, the Madden cruiser. He went around the country from game to game in a giant RV bus because he was afraid of flying. And uh, all these things that he did. But to, I will I will always remember, and the first thing I thought of when I heard this, was that ability to pull people in to watch the games. And why is that important? Well, because you know, on Sundays in this country, and it's 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 lessened now, there's people that are peeling away from the NFL, and I understand why. But until fairly recently, Sunday football was like the American hearth, right? It was the thing we we gathered around. It brought people together. You'd see extra cars in front of people's houses on Sunday because they'd come for the game. People would barbecue or cook out or cook a special thing, not just for the Super Bowl, but because it was football day. Say what you want about football, and I mean, maybe you have no use for it, but it brought a lot of people together. John Madden was a big reason for that, a big part of that. He had a talent. I don't know if he figured it out or if somebody pointed it out to him, but he used it, he used it really well. I, I think that alone. Uh, would would matter if he hadn't done any of the other things he did? So, felt personal, didn't it? You feel that way too? Do you make New Year's resolutions? Did you make one or three or ten? Uh, I I write them down, I fold them up, and I stick them in the back of my um, planner calendar book. I'm very old school. I have a paper, like a you know, like a, a journal diary. Date book, you know, for appointments and stuff. I know, I know you can do it on your phone, I know. But I like to do it on paper. So I stick it in the back of the book, I get to the end of the year, I pull out my resolutions, I see how I've done. So when I got to the end of the year and I was going to jot down a few resolutions, I said, well, wait a minute, let me write down what I think my resolutions will be, and then I'll take a look at last year's. And so that's what I did, I... I jotted down a few things. Nothing nothing major, nothing you know, kind of like um I'm not trying to make some big U-turn in my life. Just just basically, you know, do a little bit better at this, do a little more of that, do a, you know, that kind of thing. So I jotted those down. And then I pulled out the folded up piece of paper from last year, opened it up. I'm telling you, it was almost word for word the same thing. Is that good or bad? I mean, it was like a, it was like a carbon copy. I, I guess that means you know, the work continues, right? The challenge continues. But I, I think the best resolutions are ones that you can't finish in a year. You know, like when you make a New Year's resolution, if it's meaningful, it's probably going to take longer than twelve months. It's probably a, it's probably something that you're going to commit to maybe for the rest of your life. Like I'm going to do this not just for the next 12 months, I'm going to do this from now on. That, that Those are the kind of resolutions I like, you know, from now on resolutions. And that's why I don't really put a lot of stock in making them at New Year's. It's kind of a good reminder because you hear people talking about them. But you could really resolve to do those. Like if you, if you were going to say, I'm going to eat healthier, if that was your resolution, you could decide that anytime. And you could start that any day, in any month, right? But I think... I think for me that's how they work. They're kind of um you know, do better long term from now on, you know, kind of stuff. And I don't know. Maybe you do them, maybe you don't. Tell me about that if you want. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five or Jack at KTSA dot com. You were talking about John Madden. The other uh shocker I was uh working out on um I guess it was New Year's Eve. And boom, on my phone comes the update on Betty White. Now be honest. Be honest. When you heard the Betty White news, did you think it was a hoax? I mean, it's New Year's Eve. She's about to turn a hundred years old. I'm like, oh, this is a hoax. I'm not falling for this. How many times have they killed her on the internet? Right? Oh, have you heard? Betty White's dead. This happened like four or five times. I guess if you live long enough, you even die more than once. I really wanted it to be a hoax. I love Betty White. And I was in love with the idea of her getting to 100. I don't want to live to 100 myself, but I think it's cool when people do. I don't know what I would do with myself, but I think it's awesome when people live to 100. I like round numbers. Here she is like three weeks away. And it's New Year's Eve. But she, on the other hand, she's 99. She's done everything. She's outlived everyone. She's led a, a, a charmed, wonderful, talented life. She brought great joy and entertainment to generations of people. She's been, in, she's been in television and radio, and she's done all these things that she was the first woman to do. And I mean, it's a great life. She deserves her eternal reward. But I, again, that, that one hit home. We're like, oh man, Betty White. And this time it was, it was true. So that's the thing about these hoaxes, right? Eventually it's the real deal. Eventually it's true. This time it was. But did you think that too when you first heard it? Oh, I'm not falling for this. Been talking about uh, a lot of things today, including, uh, while we were apart during the holidays, we had the news about John Madden and, and Betty White just kind of sharing some stories about that. Patrick is on 550 KTSA. Patrick, good evening to you.
4: Hey, welcome back, Jack. Really appreciate you being back on the air. Uh, Thank I just you. wanted to calm your anxieties about Betty White. Uh, <laughs> she was actually older than 100 years old since life begins at conception.
2: That's, oh, that's true. That's true. So I like that thinking. It, I uh, like the the idea that you really are 9 months older than your your uh you know earth age
4: yep and that's really just the way it is i mean you are who you are at conception Mm -hmm. and you are who you are when you Mm -hmm. die just because you have to make that transition from one universe to another you know my wife and i were always talking about it when people ask how old i am and she yells at me because you're making people sound like you're older than you are Uh (laughs) they asked me how old i was They, they didn't ask me when i was born
2: now um would you want to live to be 100
4: well, that all depends. Uh, if you run out of things to do, as most people in the audience who've retired and are sitting at home watching prices, right? Uh, that's not a good option. You gotta find something to do. If I, I watched a thing last night on 60 Minutes, it's called the Ritchie Boys, and these guys, uh, were, uh, Jews who were raised, born and raised in Germany, and the, uh, U.S. military used them effectively all over the world during that during the Second World War, and they were interviewing these guys, and they're walking around in their offices and in their homes. They look like they're 60, and they're talking about their exploits and the things that
2: they did. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking,
4: mm-hmm. now, if I had a job like that till I was mm-hmm. 100, I'd want to be 100.
2: So you'd want to live to be 100 if it yeah, was 100 interesting full years, but you don't want to be 100 if it's like 100 years of where the last 20 or 30 or 40 are just filling time.
4: If it's going to be Groundhog yeah. Day, take me
2: home. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for the kind words. You know, I first heard you use that nine-month thing. I'm sure he didn't invent it, but the first time I ever heard that reference was when the late Billy Graham died. He died just short of his 100th birthday, and his son Franklin was being interviewed and said, "Well, I actually think he lived to be a hundred. He always said he would live to be a hundred, and." If you add the nine months in the womb, he lived to be a hundred. And then that, that does kind of make sense to me. You know, that's not how we celebrate birthdays, but maybe it's how we should. Of course, that would be very inconvenient politically for some people if we did that. So I guess that's why that's a disputed thing. Um, I, all kidding aside though, and I make a lot of jokes about age and aging, and I probably shouldn't, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not arguing for euthanasia or anything. I just a hundred seems so. That seems like so much time where you would have outlived the people in your life. You probably would outlive your children. You would outlive your every friend you have or had. Um, I just. I. I I know we're living longer and I guess that's a good thing. But we got to figure out how to do that. Do you ever get the feeling that medical science has gotten ahead of our planning on that? Like we know statistically that more and more people have less and less money in the bank and and are living paycheck to paycheck. We know statistically that a plurality if not majority of Americans do not have a retirement plan. Uh Dave Ramsey rails about this. And yet we're living longer. And I think about stuff like this, and I think that's kind of a disastrous turn of events, isn't it? Um, so our grandparents would work at a job, maybe one job, one company. They'd have a pension, right? Uh, and yet they didn't live very long. But if they had, they were set for however long they lived. Today we'll work at multiple jobs, maybe even multiple fields. There will be no pension unless you're a public sector employee. There there will be um, greater and greater advances helping you live longer and longer, but we don't really know how we're going to pay for that. And we don't really know how we're going to live when we live longer. Are we going to live with our children? What if you don't have children? What if you outlive them? Uh, or they don't want you. Or you don't want them. <laughs> um, it's, it's tricky, right? I mean, there's no, nobody's in charge of this, but it's, it's going to be an interesting challenge. Uh, and we, it's, it's interesting that, that we have all these brilliant minds, all these geniuses, all these think tanks and colleges and universities. What are they working on? I would think they'd be working on this or stuff like this. You know, you want you wonder, right? When you hear when you hear a story in the news about some wacky survey that was done or study that was made of some obscure thing in life, some obscure phenomenon, you wonder. I hope somebody's still doing like the cancer research and the, <laughs> the geriatrics research figuring out the aging population thing, and, you know, are we going to have enough people working to pay for all the people that are living in retirement, and, you know, all that stuff. So hopefully somebody's... I don't know the answers, but I hope somebody has them. <laughs> I plan on discussing death, but we kind of got off on a tangent where we're talking about Betty White. She lived to be almost 100 years old, or maybe if you do the math differently, she did live to be 100. But anyhow... um and so we started talking about would you want to live to be a hundred? Does that appeal to you? Is that a, is that a goal or does that horrify you? Um, I'm kind of toward, I'm leaning toward horrified. Uh, but, but you know what? Um, if, if longevity was like, um, airline miles, stay with me on this. You know how when you accrue a lot of airline miles, if you can't or don't need them, you can donate them. Well, I would be willing to donate some of my longevity to someone else. Because, I not that I have a death wish or anything. I just, I, I don't need to live to be 100. I don't want to live to be 100. Um, but if somebody had like a bucket list or, hey, I'm going to visit, uh, I want to visit, you know, these 25 countries before I die, or I want to do all these, I want to climb these mountains, or I want to do this or do that. For people that are like that, and they want to live a really long life, I wish I could give them some of my longevity. I would. I'd donate it. You know, I'd want to check them out a little bit first, you know, kind of see what the cut of their jib was, but, uh, yeah, you could do that. I know you can't, but if you could, I, I would do that. Uh, and again, that's not to say that I want to roll up in a ball. I I would, I really would be happy. You know, when people used to live only into like their 60s and when life expectancy, you know, when my, like, when my mom and dad were born, their life expectancy was probably about 63 or 65. That was considered old age. You didn't see these commercials where people that are 65 were windsurfing or, you know, <laughs> Just di- diving off cliffs, right? That that was like you know, you um, you were somebody's grandfather or grandmother, and you took it easy, and maybe you had a little social security or a pension. I was okay with that era. I would be I, I, that would be okay with me if that was it. Um, like if I only had like five or ten more years, that would be okay. I'm not wishing for anything, but I would, I'm would. i not greedy about this stuff. But again, everybody's different, and uh, we do live a lot longer. Now, my, my dad lived to be 79. My mom is now in her mid-80s. So um, they've greatly outlived what they expected. And we probably will, too, don't you think? I mean, it's just the, 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 the trend line seems to be going up and up and up. Got a plan for a long seniority. 210 599 5555 or jack at ktsa.com. The, um, you know, everybody's making predictions for the year and, you know, forecasts and stuff like this. I'm going to throw one out there. I said earlier, and I do believe this, there is a gigantic pivot going on. with COVID about the media and the politicians where they are suddenly acting like they didn't say and do all the things they said and did in 2020. And the reason I think they're doing that, the reason I think that giant pivot is happening, I know you've heard this, but the reason I think it's happening is because they're realizing that the people are wising up, turning against it, the, the, the gig is almost up. But it's not over yet. They haven't given up the fight completely. When I say they're pivoting, the pivot isn't complete. I was reading tonight that in the Los Angeles County uh, schools, teachers are now going to be mandated to wear high, this is the term they're using, high-quality masks. So it's not just a mask mandate, now it's an N ninety five mask mandate. And if you think about it, all along when we've had the mask mandate, it was like, oh, any, any mask you can get, cloth mask, paper mask, disposable mask. Re- remember Nelson Wolf running around with his soggy bandanas, skeeving everybody? And then at some point they said, Well, we're not going to consider bandanas and stuff like that, scarves are not going to you gotta have a mask. Over the years, okay. I think in 2022, they're going to try to pull the, oh, well, we're mandating special masks. So that pack of 100 that you bought or whatever, yeah, no, that's not what we mean. No, you can't come in here with that mask. You're not, we're going to have like a, not just a mask mandate, we're going to have like a mask dress code. Oh, not that mask, this mask. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't already happened. And I think we're going to see more of it. It's already happening in L.A. 210 599 5555. You know, um, another thing that happened while we were uh, apart, you and I, was they had the. Um, is it Ghislaine? Is that how you say her name? Ghislaine Maxwell verdict. The jury found her guilty. She's the. Basically, she was the partner in crime of. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein so she was found guilty of sex trafficking of minors and I think it was five of the six counts or six of the seven counts, something like that the Babylon B, the satirical news site ran a story after conviction for sex crimes Ghislaine Maxwell announced his new job at CNN which <laughs> doesn't sound like satire that sounds like that could happen you know, right? That might actually be true or it might turn out to be true when it's all said and done. That might be your next gig. Uh what was the um and I know we're a little late on this because we're already into twenty twenty two. So I probably would have asked this had I been on the air on New Year's Eve, I probably would have asked this question on New Year's Eve. But I'm gonna ask it now. I mean, we're it's pretty close. We're only three days into the new year, right? What was the best thing that happened to you in 2021? What was the best thing that happened to you in 2021? I mean, maybe something big, like you got married, or maybe it was something kind of, you know, small but nice, positive. When you think back over the year, and I'm not, I know we all had a lot of, drama and the world had a lot of drama but i'm talking about just personally it was the nicest thing or the best thing that happened to you in 2021 and i and i do i do have an answer and i'll i'll get to mine but i want to hear yours if you have one if you can think of one take a minute 210-599-5555 because it's it's easy we get into a you know, new, the things that make news are negative things, right? And then we get into a habit of dwelling on and talking about and dissecting. But obviously, you might have had something really cool happen this year, or a milestone, or an accomplishment, or an anniversary, or um, maybe you made a resolution at the beginning of the year, and lo and behold, you did it. You got it done. You lost the weight, or you got the degree, or you finished this, or finished that. 210 599 One thing I'm not really a big fan of, I don't really get into, usually at the end of the year, there are like um year-end ranks and year-end lists. These were the best movies. These were the worst movies. These were the best moments in... Sports. These were the eh, eh. I don't know. Doesn't really do it for me. Probably also helps that I don't really get to see very many movies anymore. You know what I watched over the um over the last few I've been watching over the last few days. I've been catching up on them. The the Turner Classic Movies Channel. You know me, right? That's my That's my spiritual home. The Turner Classic Movies Channel, always on New Year's Eve. Uh, runs the Thin Man movies. you know the Thin Man movies? These were made in the 30s and 40s. Robert, uh, uh not Robert, William Powell and Myrna Loy were the most celebrated movie couple of that period. They were not an actual couple. Uh, they were both very big stars, William Powell and, and Myrna Loy. And they were teamed up. They were teamed up in a lot of movies. I think they made like 15 or 16 movies together, but they were teamed up in a series of, I think, six movies based on the uh, detective character, the thin man, <clears throat> uh, Nick Charles is the character's name. And so they run these in order every new year's Eve and a new year's day. I don't know why new year's Eve. I'm not sure what the rationale is. I mean, the movies are, the movies take place around the holidays. The first couple of them do anyway. Maybe that's why. But I've been watching those. I love those. I watch them every year. And at the time these movies came out, they were very popular because people really believed that William Powell and Myrna Loy were a couple. And they weren't. They were married to other people and they were just friends who liked to work together, but that was it. And um, it, it makes you think about how often when you watch a movie and a Uh, an actor and actress are portraying a couple, have you ever noticed how rare it is that the the couple chemistry is believable? It's pretty rare. I'm not sure, because I'm not an actor, I'm not sure how they do that, how you achieve that, or even if it's something that you can control. Maybe it just happens. But I've always wondered if believable movie couples were that way because they were really good actors or because maybe they just like each other, you know? And maybe it's that simple, you know? Like you probably have somebody at work that you, you're you not you're not involved with them, but you really like them. You really like working with them. You have a good rapport, a good chemistry. Is that what it is? I don't know. They were great together as a couple, though. Nick and Nora Charles. All right, 210-599-5555. All right, we're talking about all kinds of things. We've thrown a lot out there. And best thing that happened to you in 2021, if you want to tell me, I'd love to hear that. And Mike is on KTSA. Mike, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? Good. Happy New Year.
3: I had okay. three <laughs> grandsons
2: on. You I had three grandsons run. this this past year?
3: I have three kids, two boys and a girl, and mm-hmm. each of them had a new, uh, had a child this year, a grandson. Wow!
2: That's incredible. Congratulations! Yeah.
3: Thank you. Pretty wild. Now
2: that is wild. Now, did you have any grandchildren before this year, or were these your first three?
3: We had one grandson born um, in 2020, mm-hmm. and this is the first three. So I've had four in two years' time. Wow!
2: Are any planned for next year or this coming year, or are they going to take a little breather?
3: That's not really my department. I'm going to stay care of that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I realize you can't control it, Mike. I just didn't know if you knew what the plan was.
3: No, well, that's I don't, very exciting. I don't, I don't even go there.
2: You don't go there. No, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So how do you how do you like being a grandpa? Uh,
3: it's pretty incredible. I've heard people talk about it, but I've yeah. never really... Paid much attention to it until it happens to you, and it's, yeah. it's pretty incredible.
2: Is it yeah. true that um they always say that if you were a very strict parent, you become a very indulgent grandparent? Is that true?
3: Uh, you know, they're not really old enough to, to say well, anything that's about true. that yeah. yet. So, need a little but more time might, on that.
2: Maybe when they get older, you'll want to spoil them and. Buy him an ice cream cone before dinner and stuff like that, right? Uh,
3: restrictions on who can eat what and that type
2: of thing. There you go. Well, congratulations yeah. on that's a that's an amazing one, Mike. Congratulations yeah. Yeah. on that three grandchildren in one year. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of cake, right? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right, Vincent is on the radio. Hi, Vincent.
5: Hey, how are you?
2: good happy new year to you
5: hey thank you to you too to you and your Thanks. family thank hey, you um uh, just real quick um happened to me this year or last year was after 50 years of searching or, or not knowing uh, not even being aware i actually found a brother and a sister um so that's pretty that was pretty exciting for us
2: so you did not you were you you said you weren't looking for them you you didn't even know you had them. No, to, to be honest with you, when I was little, when I was
5: old, three, four years old, I had lost my biological mother, my sister, and my brother in a fire. Oh my goodness! And I knew that. I knew that my family was from Oklahoma. Don't hold that against me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I knew that. But I, I really didn't know anything else. Uh, right. I, I knew I, had, I, I might have cousins out there. nothing and then last year my wife gave me uh i don't know if i'm allowed to say this or not but Mm ancestry.com i didn't want to do it i thought it was a bunch of malarkey and the hold on yards and so when i did to be honest with you uh i held my breath for nothing i mean you know three months later i have my nephew reaching out to me saying you know hey look you know we're here Wow wow so so wow. It, it, the last four weeks have been a tremendous blessing for us
2: so have you f- have you met up with them yet or communicated with them?
5: Oh yeah, every single day we talk uh wow. you know, my, my my when when uh my kids were aware my my kids my brother and sister were, were younger, they uh were taken to Puerto Rico, and so we knew nothing of each other. You know, as far as they were, as far as they knew, everybody who was related to them died in that fire, uh, and and that was it. They didn't know, you know. about me, and when wow. they found out about me, I I I, I constantly have phone calls. But, you know, my nephew's reaching out to me, my sister, my my brother. So it's been a blessing and a half.
2: That is amazing. Um, if you don't mind my asking, I'm just curious. Do, do you? Um do you, is it easy to talk to them or or was there a little bit of like getting used to it breaking it in or did it feel immediately very natural
5: that's a great question to be quite frank with you i i uh I honestly believe that my sister and I it's as if we've never been apart uh we've never skipped a beat you know, we're constantly mm-hmm. just talking you know just uh, you know we pick up each other's thoughts and sentences and it's it's wow. pretty freaky. It really is. But wow. it's pretty awesome too.
2: Yeah. You should be in an ancestry.com commercial, don't you think?
5: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but
2: I mean, that's I, that's I, right I, there. That I, uh, that that's the value of it right there. That's a, that's an amazing thing. God bless that.
5: Yeah, it was awesome. It it was fantastic.
2: Well, congratulations on that. I hope you guys have many, many more years to catch up and make new memories together. Thank you very much, Vincent. That's that's a humbling thing. I don't know if we can top that. And since we're talking about the end of a year and the beginning of a year, the poll questions about New Year's resolutions, and we're asking you right here about last year. So what was the best thing, the nicest thing, your favorite thing that happened to you? I'm not asking about something in the news or in the public realm, just like, you know, for you, high point of 2021. And um, Vincent's was incredible. If you missed Vincent right before we took the break, he has reconnected with a brother and sister he did not even realize he had and who did not know about him uh, for over 50 years. And that's, that makes 2021 a, what we would call a red letter year, right? for Vincent. Joe is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Joe.
0: Hey, how are you? Good,
2: good. Happy Happy New Year year to you. Thank you.
0: Happy New Year to you. Boy, I tell you, when you go, we really miss you, Jack. (laughs) I know. Oh, oh, that's nice of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I have two quick ones. Um, They're Mm -hmm. both different from each other. Um, One of them is a financial one, and I want to say in May or June of this year, we are completely debt-free, including the house. Um, oh, congratulations! Which, uh, I'm, 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 I think I'm around your age. I'm upper fifties, and um, you know, it's something that we we all strive for one day mm-hmm. at a time, right? So, mm-hmm. we uh, we had a we have a place here in San Antonio, and we we're fortunate to have a place in Utah. And I tell you, the real estate values have gone up so much uh that we decided to sell that place and we we made a pretty nice profit on it and we're able to pay everything off including the house that we have
2: here so that is a wonderful uh, feeling i'll bet
0: yeah and and it enabled my wife to um retire uh completely Mm. from working Mm and she did that at the stroke of midnight on new year's (laughs) oh
2: that's great
0: yeah so that was cool and then the other thing is a little bit of a an emotional thing. You know, we have a blended family. We have, I had two previous kids uh, from a former marriage, and she had two previous kids. And we always, uh, you know, whenever we get along, everybody does pretty well. But it, it, we always really struggle at Christmas time, to be honest with you, because very different families, the way that they were raised, and. Uh, traditions and you know their traditions were completely different from mine. I grew up in Brooklyn and you know very Italian Catholic family and and they're not that way and so we we always clashed at Christmas time and we had them all here for the first time and they're they're all in their twenties to early thirties and mm. while wow, for the first time they all got along really well and it was just a it was the most pleasurable five days with family that we I can remember in the last six or seven years so.
2: That, those are two really, yeah. those are two really good. Either one of those would have made this a great year, but to have both of those happen yeah. in twenty twenty one is fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm it happy was, for it you. Great.
0: You know, the, little little thing. I mean, obviously the the debt free is a big thing, but you know, it's just so emotionally with the family that was that yeah. meant a
2: lot to us. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. I hope that portends yeah. well for twenty twenty two. Maybe you're going to be on a winning streak. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your kind words, too. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I love taking a break, but not because I don't love what I do. I, and I think I said this right before we ended last year. I I just get a little crispy. <laughs> you know, I just get a little – it's a little – it gets a little uh, – it's a little like Groundhog Day, you know. Every day, these stories in the news and the same stuff. So that's why I like the break but it's not because I want to get away from what we do and and having these kinds of conversations I love this and I'm privileged to do it. Um really I I can't I can't even approach Mike or Vincent or Joe. Um I would say for me when I thought about it <clears throat> nothing major happened um this past year but I um when I thought about you know people coming in and out of my life you know how we've we've had the phenomenon in the last few years of people either family members or friends breaking up over politics we've talked about this it's it's quite a quite a widespread phenomenon where you will have a friend stop talking to you or drop you or um or even you know You're disinvited to Thanksgiving or something, and it's a terrible thing. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't care which side of this you're on. People should not be doing that. Well, I was thinking this past year, instead of people leaving my life, and I've had quite a bit of that, um, I had a couple of old friends get back in touch. We We hadn't fallen out of sorts with each other. We had just lost touch. One was somebody from high school. And to be honest, we weren't really even close in high school. We knew of each other, but via Facebook, he, he got in touch. And the other was a, a friend that I just lost touch with for a shorter amount of time. Um, but these are just people that meant a lot to me and mean a lot to me. And I'm, I'm glad that we're talking again. And it's really just texting, but, um, in, in a time when there seemed to be more subtraction than addition, in our social circles and again I think that's really really sad and unfortunate it was good to have two people added back in or, or, or rejoin the, the circle um, and, and you know the funny thing is um, these are not people that I had a, a falling out with or breaking up with over politics I don't even know their politics and you would think to watch the news that people can't have a relationship unless they're either politically compatible or they know each other's politics and they accept, you know, we accept our differences. I'm old enough to remember when you knew people and you didn't know who they voted for or how they voted, and you didn't care, and they didn't care. Maybe that'll make a comeback. I'll see what I can do about that. KTSA News Time 639. Coming up this half hour, the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll. And, uh, the question we asked you on the poll was about New Year's resolutions. So looking ahead, but we're also talking a little bit about looking back. And I know that normally you look back at the year at year's end, but I, you know, I wasn't here for that. So I thought I'd throw that out now. What was the best thing? that happened to you in 2021. It can be a big thing or a small thing. Nothing's too small. And uh, it, it's it's only if you feel like saying it and talking about it. But um, when you look back on the year, nicest thing, best thing, most positive thing. Um, we've had some really good ones. We had a gentleman who's had three. His His kids gave him three grandchildren in one year. Uh, we had a gentleman call who found a brother and sister he didn't even realize were still alive after fifty years. Um, Joe just told us about two that happened in his life. He became uh debt free he and his family became debt free and he also had a good Christmas with his blended family. You know there's something about a holiday like Christmas or Thanksgiving just if it goes well <laughs> that's a that's a victory, right. I mean it doesn't have to be spectacular but if people just get along and it's pleasant and you have a nice visit and you look over the people in the living room and everybody's glad to be there that's a that's a victory these days you know it's not a small thing heck just being together maybe you had uh, like you know you might have you might have been with people at Christmas or at Thanksgiving or on New Year's that you couldn't be with in 2020. That's a victory. Maybe that's the best thing. 210 599 55 I don't know if this is funny or weird. There's a controversy um, involving, and, and you know, these days we fight over naming things and renaming things and taking names on off of things and, uh, and whatnot, Um, There's a um, controversy, and this ran in Scientific American magazine, uh, with these people that want to rename the Jim Webb Space Telescope. Um, Jim Webb was the NASA administrator under President Kennedy, And I think he came back and ran NASA again later on in his career. But he was a historic figure in the American space program. So they named this space telescope after James Webb, Jim Webb. And um, there's no question that he, on on the basis of his contributions to the space program, this is a richly deserved honor. Well, these... People at UNH say, no, James Webb was a homophobe and we should take his name off the telescope. And they want to rename the telescope for Harriet Tubman. And if you remember, the last time we heard about Harriet Tubman we were going to put her on the $20 bill, remember? I think it was the $20 bill, wasn't it? Was it the 20 or the 10 I think it was the $20. And um, I'm actually good with putting her on the, on the bill. I, I love the Harriet Tubman story. I mean, Harriet Tubman was a gun-toting Republican black woman. You can put her on all the money as far as I'm concerned. But it just fits better. I don't know what I don't know how you get to like how do you get to putting Harriet Tubman's name on the space telescope? I, I don't I don't I could be wrong, but I don't think Harriet Tubman was a scientist or a astronomer. It just seems like this is sort of virtue signaling on the part of the people that are proposing it. Like they Kind of pulled her name out of the air. Again, I get the argument for putting her in the currency. I like it, but yeah, I don't know about the, I don't know about the space telescope. Um, seems like a good idea if you're going to name things in the sciences. That you name them after people who have made contributions in the sciences. That seems does that could we not agree on at least that? And then I I think the the whole thing with with James Webb there was this there was a part of the Red Scare back in the fifties and sixties you know you know about the Red Scare and McCarthyism and all that well there was a there was an offshoot of the Red Scare that some people call the Lavender Scare where people were um, outed or fired if they were found to be gay in government service because they were considered Security risks, they could be blackmailed. Now, I'm I'm not saying that's right or fair, but it was a thing that happened. It was not our finest moment. It was acquiesced to by people in both parties, by presidents of both parties, by uh, numerous, across numerous administrations. I, I guess I just don't, I don't think there's any point in singling people out and punishing them for that now. How about we let the James Webb Space Telescope keep his name, because he was a brilliant NASA administrator, and how about we honor Harriet Tubman in some way that makes more sense for Harriet Tubman? See, I, I just this is where it becomes like a game, just slapping names randomly, and and it's not about the people doing this. I don't think they give a rat's patootie about Webb or Tubman. This is about them. This is about you know looking looking good in the eyes of their peers or carving a notch in the in the you know in their belt or whatever getting somebody's name taken off something is its own reward these days it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with who they were or what the reason stated reason is that's just a thing now we were talking earlier about how you can be famous for being famous you don't have to do anything There are people making their name by taking away names. They're not achieving, accomplishing. They're not discovering. They're not bettering people's lives. They're not producing things of value. They're making their name. They're making their rep by getting things denamed, de-labeled. It's a weird, um, It's not, I won't even call it an industry. It's a non-industry, but it seems to work. About New Year's resolutions, Jim is on the radio on KTSA. Happy New Year, Jim. Hey, Happy New Year. So do you make you New Year's resolutions?
6: Well, I didn't really make uh, any resolutions. I want to get healthier for 2022, but I did have something that was really special that happened to me in 2021. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't have to go very far back for Christmas my brother-in-law bought me a new truck and bought my wife a new vehicle as well. Wow.
2: That's yeah, very generous. Out of
6: the blue he walked up and said, "Hey, I got to talk to you and uh, step outside for a minute." And I stepped out and he handed me the keys to a brand new 2021 pickup.
2: Wow. This is your brother-in-law, right?
6: This is my brother-in-law, my wife's little brother.
2: Oh, wow! Uh, so I guess you have person. a good relationship I with him.
6: Like this all the time, and I never thought it, anything would happen to me. But he's just an incredibly giving person. Him and his wife both—they're very generous. And uh, we were having some car problems, and uh, they came down for Christmas. They live in Georgia, and they came down, and he bought my my wife a brand new vehicle and bought me a brand new vehicle.
2: That is uh, that is very nice. So, what did you get?
6: It, I got a Ford F-150 Lariat fully
4: loaded.
2: Nice. Very nice. Oh, beautiful.
6: Exactly. Awesome. Uh, So when you said the best thing that happened to you in 2021, I probably would be the nicest thing that anybody's ever done for me, period.
2: I think so, yeah. I mean, I I think it might be hard to top that in 2022, right? Yeah, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. (laughs) Well, enjoy that new truck. That is awesome. That's a great story, and he sounds like a nice... Sounds like a very nice guy. We should all have a brother in law like that. Thank you, Jim. Happy New Year to you. Um Well, we had some incredible answers to that question. I'm glad we asked. I've I've loved hearing these answers. Um if you didn't get through and you want to shoot me an email, jack at ktsa dot com, best thing that happened to you in twenty twenty one. Um if I get any any really good emails, we'll try to read them tomorrow. Um so we asked you on the poll question. Do you make New Year's resolutions? I, I've asked this question before, and I, I seem to recall that we had similar outcome. Most people say they do not make New Year's resolutions, and I think that's because people now know that you can, you can make the changes in your life whenever you need to make them. You know, doesn't have to be the stroke of midnight on the end of the year. But sixty-nine uh, percent said no, thirty-one percent said yes. New Year's resolutions. Most common New Year's resolution. You guessed it. Always something to do with either weight loss or exercise. If you belong to a gym or a CrossFit or any of those places, you know today, (laughs) busiest day of the year. But take heart because in a few weeks, it'll settle down and the true believers will still be there. You'll still be there. I'll still be there. But the people that had, you know, got some big ideas, they'll start to peel away. We don't wish that on them, but we know that it will lighten up a little bit in a few weeks. Yeah, today was probably the busiest day. You know what else they say today is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've, I've heard anecdotally that today, January 3rd, is the busiest day of the year for dating websites of all kinds. Because I guess if you made a New Year's resolution... Um, maybe you made it over the weekend and today is the day you opened it up and wrote your profile. Um, do you remember, and I don't know how long these were around and I never did one, but do you remember for a while there were, um, what they called, I think they call them video dating services. I'm dating myself here, but when I first came to San Antonio and I was single and young, And they were looking for different kinds of sponsors that I could advertise and endorse. They came at me with one of these video dating services. And the way I think they worked was you would go to a place and make, they would, they would, uh, shoot a video of you, like sort of interview you. Oh, yes. Well, I like long walks on the beach and um, puppies and I'm a sensitive person. I write poetry, you know. So you'd give this little spiel about yourself, like a, like a sales pitch. And then um, these would be um, available for people to, I don't know how they were, were viewed. I don't know if they were viewed online or if they were viewed, like you had to go to a place and you could peruse the videos or how it worked. I didn't do it. I turned it down as an advertiser because I thought it was kind of rinky-dink and fly-by-night. and I don't know, it just seemed kind of hokey. But now these, these um, apps are huge, huge, Millions and millions of people, and today is the busiest day for them. That they say, so they say. So, so if you did that today, you weren't the only one. See, there's a lot of people out there. But um, I, and and I guess um, now I'm gonna really date myself. Before there were the video things. Do you remember when people would run like classifieds? I know when I first came to town, the current had classifieds. I don't think they do anymore. For dating. And it was like men seeking women. And here are all the people. Women seeking men. And here are all the people. And then they had men seeking men and women seeking women. And of course, um, that was very avant garde <laughs> in the 1990s. I guess now you'd have to have a lot more categories, right? I've lost track. I don't know how many, I don't know, I don't know how many uh, genders we have anymore. I, I know how many we, Actually have, but I don't know how many were recognizing, but uh, yeah, those were all the different ways that people did it. And, um, I've often thought that what I don't know how well these apps work, but I've often thought these were probably a great thing for shy people. Cause don't you think there's a whole lot of people who would never in a million years be able to screw up the courage to walk up to someone? and just start a conversation or introduce themselves. I'll tell you right now, that is one of the hardest things to do in in any circumstance, not just being single. These apps have been a godsend for shy people. There's a lot of shy people. I hope it works out for you, whatever you decide to do today. Work out or reach out or fill out a profile. I hope it works out. I hope you'll come back here and join me in the morning for Sean tomorrow and here in the afternoon from 4 to 7. I'll see you then.